Thanks, Dammy, I think. <laughs> <coughs> I think that was a very kind introduction. I'm still working out in my head. Um, if you'd like to just put your hand on your heart um, and just pray for yourself um, that, that God would help you to receive whatever he has to say beyond just what I've got written down here. Let's just start praying for yourself now. Don't pray small prayers, pray big ones. Pray like there's some treasure hidden in the next few minutes and you really don't want to miss it. And if you can find someone close to you and they're okay with it, just pray, for, pray the same thing for them. Try and make sure nobody's left out. Make sure at least someone's been offered to pray. If they don't want you to pray for them, that's cool. Pray for them like if they receive this word, then you'll receive it more as well. Lastly, if you could just stretch out your hands and pray for Tony. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever all my days, I will love you, God. Sing that one more time. I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock. Forever all my days. I will love you, God. God, we just say we came here for you tonight.
we came here for you. God, we thank you for your promise that whenever we meet together, Lord, you meet with us. And we just say, Lord, our desire is to hear from you, Lord, to see more of you and to be drawn closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, to catch your word. Lord, not to just receive information so that we can be more intellectual, but Lord, to receive a revelation so that we can be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, If you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Um, Some of you might not know me. Um, I'm Tony, and I've been part of this church for quite a long time, um, 20 or so years. I've grown up here. Um, So I very much love King's Church, and it's important to me that you know that. Matthew chapter 22, from verse 34, Jesus has been um, dealing with people as they've tried to trip him up in his words. It's not a good idea to try and trip someone up in their words when their name is the word, especially the word of God, but they tried. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He's going to test Jesus. Okay. Teacher, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Hmm. Test Jesus. Never a good idea. Um, Jesus said that the greatest and first commandment is to love God with everything. Of all the commandments that God's ever given to us, the greatest and the first is to love God with everything. The greatest and the first. And he said the second is like it, but it's still second. The second is like it, but it's still second. And it's like it, but it's not the same. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's an order, and the order is actually really important. Um, There's a teaching floating around in the world that says the basic teaching of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was to love your neighbor as yourself. And it sounds nice, but it's a half-truth that is easily twisted. And we actually miss what God's really trying to say to us. Because the greatest and first is love God with everything. Love God with everything. 
When we believe this false teaching, we actually end up trying to love people by doing and saying things that seem loving to people, but are actually not loving to God. We have a problem there. If we miss the first and greatest commandment, we do the second wrong. If we miss the first one, we can't do the second one. Can't do it right. With all the good intentions in the world, we can't, can't do it right. Because the world's definition of love comes from what makes people feel good. So if I love you, then you're going to feel good. If I love you, you're going to feel good. That's what we say. But that's really dangerous territory because we end up encouraging people to do things directly against what God has said is best for them in the name of love. And as Christians, that's a real problem for us because God is love. And so whatever we do in the name of love, we do in the name of God. And so we tell people, this is what God is like, this is what God is saying, this is what God is instructing you to do. And it's actually sometimes the exact opposite of what God has said. So we can actually end up misrepresenting him which is not what we want to do. That's not why we're here. We're here to represent him and represent him well as his children, his people. That's what we want to do. Now, God is love, and sometimes he does things for our benefit that don't feel so good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has God ever done something in your life that at the time... You weren't singing and dancing about it. You didn't shout hallelujah. Maybe you cried for a while when you just kind of sat quietly or you were just really angry at God and it wasn't until later on you saw it really was for my good and I'm much better for it. And he's love and that's the way he interacts with us and so our definition of love needs to come from that too. It's for people's benefit, but not always to make them feel good straight away. Not always. We have to start with his love and loving him so that we learn to love other people effectively. Um, Our, I don't know, probably shouldn't use the word mantra, but our thing that we say and believe and love in this church, um, we talk about being loved lovers, loving others, Um, we cannot love people effectively if we don't know how to love God. Um, My my mom's here tonight. Um, One of the the leaders in our church, um, and she's been a a leader in my life since hmm, probably around about the time I was born. Um, And she used to say something to me and my brother when we were growing up, and she would constantly say it, constantly say it. She would say, God first, Others second, yourself last. God first, others second, yourself last. Can we just say that together? God first, others second, yourself last. Um, Now, Western society teaches us to look after number one. So yourself first, others if you have time, and God, who's God? It's all about you. Look after number one. And we should be looking after number one. It's just that number one's not you. 
Sorry. Number one's not me. We do need to look after number one. Look out for number one. We expose ourselves to this teaching in the world daily. It's just everywhere. You don't realize that you're learning as you go through life, as you scroll through Facebook, as you flick channels on the TV, as you walk outside, you see billboards, you have conversations with people. But we're constantly exposing ourselves to the teaching that we should look after number one. And if we don't consciously reject it and root ourselves in the word of God, then we'll just go with it. It's so easy. It's difficult when you're a Christian because you kind of simultaneously live in two worlds. And you live in exactly what you know the will of God is, but then you're still walking in the world and you're receiving training and instruction from Scripture as you read your Bible and as you you listen to, to people preach. But then at the same time, you're in school or you're in work, you're in college, you're in university, you're doing the things that you do and you're having a whole different education given to you at the same time. And if you don't realize that the two are often opposing, then... You try and make them fit together, but they don't. And it's really important that they don't. Um, Famous scripture. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. It's in the right-hand side of your Bible, um, page 1215. <laughs> That's a joke if you're new and Bibles don't have the same page numbers. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world or the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed. If you're conformed to the ways of the world, you'll struggle to discern God's will. Take a little moment of reflection there. If you constantly find yourself struggling to know what the will of God is, ask yourself, am I actually conformed to the ways of the world? Do I think exactly like the world? And is that why I'm always struggling to know what God's will is? Because the Bible says that as my mind is renewed, then I'll be able to know what God wants. Because my mind will become more like his mind. But if we stay in the, the world's education system, I'm not talking about, obviously, the education system, which I actually work in. Um, if we stay being educated by the world on how to live, how to think, um, how to be a human being, then we'll struggle to know what the will of God is. Because the world has an idea about what the will of God is, but it's not rooted in the word of God. So the world has its own idea and wants to tell you its own idea about what the will of God is, but it's not rooted in the word of God. And it might sound really nice and it will sound super positive and it will maybe make you feel uplifted, but it's not rooted in the word of God. And we don't want to go there. 
Um, God first, others second, yourself last. Um, when I said that, you might have thought, you know, come on, Tony. I have to love myself before I can love my neighbor. Because that's another teaching that kind of appeared um, at one point. And I get what it's saying. I get what it's saying. But let's read the Bible. Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Lots of Bible tonight. I make no apologies. Acts chapter 2, from verse 42. Um, so, it's the day of Pentecost. Has just, it's just happened. Um, 3,000 people have been saved in a day. Um, signs and wonders. It's all, it's all kicking off. It's a beautiful scene. But we hear about what happened afterwards. It says, all the people, all the people who had been saved, who had given their lives to Jesus, the Christians, the church, it says, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were, share, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Um, what an awesome sounding family. Like, just try and, try and picture yourself there. Try, just try and picture yourself there. Signs and wonders all over the place. People, you know, you were wondering how you were going to feed your family the next day. And your neighbor comes around and says, hey, we sold the car. Here's some money. Let's just look after you for the next few months. Family is the most powerful evangelism tool that we have in the church. Um, a community of, of radical love and unity demonstrates the power of the gospel in a way that I think nothing else really does. Um, we, can, we can speak um, and we can preach and we can tell about what Jesus has done. the kind of tangible evidence of what Jesus has done is sitting in this room. Just have a, have a look around at it. Absolutely transformed lives and love and connection and relationship. This is what we're about. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Old people will know. I remember a few years ago, um, 
that verse kind of scared me um, because I thought if the world actually knew that they were supposed to know who we are by the way that we love each other, we would just kind of get laughed off the planet. Because for the last 2,000 years, we've, di we've been dividing, we've been killing each other, literally fighting wars against each other, berating each other on social media, all the stuff that we do against other people who call on the name of Jesus, who are our family. Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's a miracle when an incredibly diverse community of people comes together and lives in harmony. It's a miracle, you don't just get that. And it's not an incredibly diverse group of people with all its little factions that meets every Sunday. Did you get that? It's not, hey, we have all our little separate things that we keep separate and we kind of all agree to wear the same banner of King's Church. But there's a, there's a mixing of life and a sharing of love that actually means more than a Sunday. It means more than a Sunday. And I'm not talking about go to your connect group. Do go to your connect group. But that... That, this is something that happens in your heart that affects what you do with the rest of your life. Jesus didn't just save us into individual relationships with him. He saved us into a family. In John 17, 23, Jesus was praying to the Father and he said, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me then the world will know. The world will know, not just about us, but about him. The world will know that it was really God who sent Jesus if we're one. If we don't give ourselves to that, then we stand in the way of the world really seeing who Jesus is. It's not for the person sitting next to you, this is for you. If you love Jesus, if you are a Christian, this is for you. This has to make a difference in your life. Oh, Tony, you're starting to get into my personal space now. I'm not, Jesus is. I'm just reading the Bible. Just reading the Bible. Um, I once had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few, I've had a few conversations with the Holy Spirit, but I once had a conversation with the Holy Spirit um, in which he told me that I was possessive. Of course, I denied that, obviously. Um, excuse me. Uh, how am I possessive? Um, he actually gave me a list <laughs> um, of a few things, a few, a few areas of my life where I was possessive. Um, and some of, two of those were um, to do with my money and with my time. Um, I feel better sometimes where I talk to God and I ask him a question, there's a really long pause because it makes me feel like he's thinking about it. I know he's not. Um, but when the answer comes instantly, I'm just like, oh, wow, I've been sitting on that one for a while. Okay, it's kind of painful. Um, but he was showing me 
where I was central and he wasn't. And that was a challenge to me. Um, when God is at the center of a community, something powerful happens. Um, and it could be a mega church, tens of thousands of people, or it could be a family of two, three, four people. But when God's will is at the center of every person's life in that community, something quite dramatic happens. Um, but I'll tell you about what that is in a minute. Um, again, our consumerist society focuses our attention on ourselves. And that actually traps us. You know, we get into competing with one another because I'm constantly looking at how I'm doing in comparison to how this person's doing. And, and I keep internalizing all of this stuff. Um, the studies have come out now that um, Instagram is literally... Um, what's the word? Basically, Instagram causes depression. They've, they've done some studies. Apparently, Instagram causes depression. It's really tied in. Um, and it's just that constant looking at myself. How am I? Me, 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 me. I become the center of the universe. And it's, it's constricting. But true freedom only exists in focusing our lives and attention on God because that's why we were made. That's why we're alive. For all of our heart, soul, and mind to be on him. It's the first and greatest, and it's actually the most beneficial for us. Isn't that just like God? To give us the first and greatest commandment that's actually going to bring us the greatest fulfillment. He's good, isn't he? Like, he's good. He's very good. Just take a moment, just close your eyes, and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight for you an area in life um, where you are the focus and not God. Whatever comes up, don't dismiss it immediately. I tried that. It doesn't work. He'll come back with it. But I want you to begin a process that goes beyond today where you start to give that area of your life over to him and watch what he does. And start to think with him, even write things down as to how you can make him the center of that area of your life. How can you give that to him? Um, I said that something dramatic happens when a, a community, every individual focuses on Jesus. Just turn to John 15 with me.
John 15, from verse 10, Jesus is speaking, and he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. Are you ready? That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the dramatic thing that happens. We enjoy the love of God as we obey his commands, and he actually commands us to love each other. Not just in thought. Um, I don't have time to talk about how love is not a feeling. Um, But... He commands us to love each other, but he also says that we'll experience his love as we obey his command, which is to love each other. Hmm, I wonder how that works out. See, we think that directing our whole heart and life towards God instead of others will somehow rob us of freedom, will somehow rob us of life. But the opposite is true if we understand the heart of God. Because he calls us to live in community because he knows it's exactly what we need. We're made in his image and he lives in community even within himself. And so he knows community is what they need. And so I will tell them, I will command them to live in community. We miss the commands of God sometimes because we think I think we don't understand some things about um, just the way that God's voice works. When God says something, it becomes true. It becomes possible. It becomes real because his voice creates. So when God said, let there be light, there wasn't an awkward pause. But light came into being because God said. When Jesus called Peter he called Simon Peter he became the rock because Jesus said when Jesus said peace be still to the storm peace stillness came because he spoke so when he commands us to do something the grace and ability to do it comes with it when he commands us to do something the grace and the ability to do it comes with it so when he says love your neighbor as yourself Oh, I don't know if I'm able to do that. He says, no, love your neighbor as yourself. But I need to, I need to love me first. You love your neighbor as yourself. Trust me, just do it. And I'll take care of the bit that you can't do. He calls us to live selflessly because he knows that's actually what we need. He is the most selfless being because he had the most to keep and he let it all go. He laid it all down and we're made in his image. Selflessness is like a need for us. It fulfills something in us. Sometimes that we don't know is there because we're so filled with the stuff. 
Um, we do experience his love directly as individuals, but partly through each other and partly through knowing his delight as we love others. So he says, this is the commandment, love each other, and you're going you're gonna to experience my love. You're going to live in my love. You're going to abide in my love. Strange that if we do what he's saying, then we actually experience his love through other people, and other people experience his love through us. He's good, isn't he? Like he knows, he knows what he's doing. He's good at this, this God thing. He's, he's good. Yeah. He's way better than you are. Have you ever felt the delight of God as you've gone out of your way to like, serve one of his children? Like, I see some nods, some yes, no. Well, if you haven't, then you need to slow down and enjoy that. Because it's, it's there. Maybe you do it in the wrong heart and so you kind of miss it and you're just thinking about how much it's costing you. But when you understand that he takes it personally when we do things for his children, just like any father would take it personally when you do something for their child. Just slow down and enjoy that. We get too busy sometimes of running around from here to this and we're on all the rotors that are possible in church or whatever. And we need to slow down. Enjoy the connection that comes from his delight in us as we serve him by serving his people. Like, enjoy that. It is there. I remember uh, there's, something, there's something really sweet about knowing that you're worshiping God as you're doing something that you don't like. You start to like it. Like if you get that, you start to like it. Um, I remember I was speaking with the, the, the youth team a few years ago, um, and we were up here, we'd had, we'd had a party, and when we have a party up here, it's nuts. And there is, I'm not even going to talk about that, but it is everywhere. Um, and it, we, were, we were here for a very long time on a Friday night, very late into the night, just tidying up. And we had to reset for the whole of Sunday and put all the chairs out and everything. And I had this moment where I just kind of realized, and I was like, guys, this, this is where worship starts. And that, suddenly we're not just doing it for us anymore and because we don't want to get in trouble with the building managers who are very scary. Um, but it becomes completely different and we're serving someone else. And we need to enjoy that. Um, if you're a Christian here tonight, Jesus' death on the cross made us the children of God. Like he did that. He made us the children of God. He gave us the right to become the sons of God. God is our father and we're his children and that is what makes us family. Our relationships with each other can make us like family, just like you can have a friend who's not actually part of your family, but you they kind of, it feels like they are because of the connection that you have with them, but they still don't share your blood. But we share his blood. It's his life and his spirit and his DNA inside of us that actually makes us family. 
but how we live together day to day shows that we're family. It's shown. Gathering together once or twice a week does not make us a family. That makes us a conference. There's plenty of conferences going on about all sorts of different... Conferences happen in this building. Um, it doesn't mean that families meet here day to day. Or if you go to your connect group, again, connect groups are awesome. I'm, I'm part of a connect group. It doesn't make us family. Family... Putting money in a basket doesn't make us a family. That makes us a charity. Like, hey, let's have a little collection, donate something. There's lots of people that do that, and it doesn't mean that they're family. Um, like our Sunday meetings and our tithes and offerings and our connect groups, they're very, very important. But family goes deeper. And we can actually give less meaning to those things if we don't go deeper. They just become superficial, surface-level things that we do from week to week. Kind of just becomes a hobby. Love for each other that's rooted in the heart of God makes us family. Rooted in the heart of God, in the love of God, it makes us family. Have you ever gone completely in the wrong direction to give someone a lift home? Like, that's love. Where's Lizbeck? Lizbeck knows. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever given, um, not lent, have you ever given money to someone in financial need? I'm not going to name any names, but that's love. Have you ever invited people around and cooked for them just because? Like, that's love. Love isn't just about meeting needs. Love is about celebrating each other and just fellowshipping with each other and enjoying each other's company and sharing our lives together. It's not just, oh, you need something? Let me give you something. Why can't I just give you something on top of what you already have? Because I love you. Um, have, examples could go on and on and on. I can't think of any. But if, if you, have you ever sacrificed something that cost you something personally for the benefit of someone who's a part of this family? Um, or if you're visiting from another church, whatever church you're from, that costs you personally. Like that's love. And our Father, He loves it. He loves it. Um, Almost done. Um, knowing that we're God's family, it changes our relationships um, pretty significantly. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go super deep into this right now. Um, but if it's for you, then you know it's for you. In First Timothy five one, it says, "Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father." and younger men as brothers, older, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, um, verse 5, it says, 
Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we understand that we're a family, then we understand that within our family, there's fathers, there's mothers, there's sons, there's daughters. And that could just be to do with generational age, there's people who are older, people who are younger, people, it could be to do with our gender, people who are male, people who are female. Um, it could be to do with our leaders um, and those of us that follow our leaders. Um, they can be fathers and mothers. But family means that we honor our mothers and fathers and our leaders and we encourage them more than we criticize them and complain about them. Right, if we really get that we're family, it changes the way we do this whole, suddenly it's not my boss who's telling me to serve more on tea and coffee. Um, family means that we actually do what our leaders say. <laughs> like mature sons and daughters aren't rebellious teenagers. Not in God's family. Um, brothers and sisters um, don't mess with each other's emotions, don't play damaging mind games, don't violate each other's sexual purity. Like, that's not loving, and it's not how you would treat a brother or a sister. It changes the way even we talk to each other. Instead, we respect, we protect, and honor each other's hearts before our own. Um, and that, that goes for all of us. Um, could we have the band back up? Is that cool? Um, we're, we're going to break bread together um, and we're going we're gonna to remember that Jesus' death gave us a new life and a new father who made us family. If you want to just close your eyes for a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit through everything that's been said what do I need to hold on to? If you need to write things down, then you can make notes or write things down. But I've said a lot tonight. And I don't want you to go away without catching what God has specifically said to you. like us to get into into groups um, maybe of about nobody ever listens when you say group sizes anyway but just get into groups just make sure that no one's by themselves um, if you're just for Christians let's let's get together as family now if you're not part of this church family here King's Church um, you're very welcome um, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're very welcome to break bread with us. We do this together. This is something that believers do together. 
um, as we celebrate Jesus' death. And I just want us to pray for each other, um, but to pray for our family. Um, and if that's your family somewhere else, pray for them. And people in that group, pray for them. But just pick people. Um, well, if everyone comes down, and then go back and find your groups again, because all the bread's individual. Oh, we can pass around. Okay, we'll pass it around. Okay, send someone to get um, a glass of the, the juice, I guess. Now, I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, don't be shy with each other. Just, we're all family here because of what he has done. Um, if you don't, let's just do that for, before you start praying, I just want to say, um, if you don't know Jesus, um, and you want to be a part of his family, then you can head over to um, this King's Church banner over here on the side at the end, and there'll be people there to pray for you afterwards. Um, also, if you feel like you've lived outside of the family of God, but you know that you're a Christian, you know that you believe in Jesus and what he's done, and you want to kind of just recommit your life to him, then, then come to the prayer banner at the end as well, and there'll be people there to pray for you. Well, let's just pray together. Let's just pray for our family.